listening to Vince Tracy, Neil Coble. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? very good day to our listeners. It's the 6th of September 2022. And our weather today, a little better. Yes, it's a little cooler. It's still hot, but it is certainly cooler for me. Let's get across the mountain range, down the motorway a little bit and find out whether it's the same for Neil. A very good day. Welcome to you, Neil. Uh, Is your weather just a little bit better as well? Oh, it's beautiful today. It's 28 degrees, which is lovely. We've got a nice little breeze coming in off the sea and the odd cloud just going in and out. Yeah, it's beautiful today, yeah. Yeah. Okay. well, a couple of things have happened since we last spoke. Uh, Nonetheless, the fact that the new Prime Minister in... Uh, the United Kingdom is Liz Truss. Um, so, um, any feelings one way or the other about the new Prime Minister? Not really. They're all in it for the same, aren't they? They're all the same. You know, they, they'll come up with all these promises and this, that, and so let's see if they can, uh, you know, yeah. carry through with what they keep telling us they're going to do. Let's hope they do, they do, you know, that they do. Yeah. Why, why would you want a job like that? That's what I say. No, not, not not for me. No, thanks. No, not for me either. OK, so let's kick off then and uh, we'll look at items in the news that either you might not have seen or maybe there's not as much attention. So here we go. Well, there's so much about, really, Neil, that, um, you know, I was wondering which way to start this. And I thought, well, let's have a look at this one first. It's about a 78-year-old coach driver, and he has died in a crash on the M25 after suffering a medical episode and veering across three lanes into the central reservation. Six teenage girls were also injured but didn't require hospital treatment. The Mercedes-Benz coach came to a stop on the hard shoulder of the busy motorway at around 8.55 near Junction 14 for the M4 and Heathrow Airport. The driver, 78-year-old man, suffered a suspected medical episode and sadly died at the scene despite the efforts of South Central Ambulance Service, Thames Valley Police, appealing for witnesses of the crash. What would, um, what crossed my mind is really, you, you wonder why you don't see more of those sorts of things, really, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, 75 or whatever. I mean, I thought, I thought they had strict uh, medicals every year, you know, um, coach drivers and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, 70, 70 odd. You know what I mean? And it's a stressful job anyway, driving a coach, especially in the UK and especially on that M25 where there's millions of cars go every day. You know, so, you know, I mean, anybody can just have a heart attack at any time. We know that. But it, it can't help, you know, when you're driving a, a coach at that age, you know. I suppose, you see, you've done exactly what I'd expect anybody to do which is um, it's very difficult to come to specifics because, you know, if you're sitting in a coach all day, it's quite a sedentary operation, isn't it? You know, it's it's like, a, you, you know, it's almost like tailor-made for having a problem if you're going to sit on your backside all day. Um, we're told that you've got to get up and move around and everything. So it doesn't really matter so much the age. It's the fact that it's a um, it's one of those occupations where it's always likely to give you a possibility of a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, yeah. Yeah. As I said, well, it's, it's not sort of the edge. I was just thinking that every year, you know, as from 60, I would imagine, or something like that, especially coach driving, that they'd have a really strict thing and check the art thing and, you know, the bloods and all that lot, you know, the blood pressures. and You know, but as I say, anybody can just have a heart attack like that. I mean, whether you're 20 or whether you're 75, you know, you can get one bang and that's it. Yeah. Know? 
And uh, I saw a little thing going through on Facebook, which, uh, you know, now and again you see something that makes sense to you and you think to yourself, uh, absolutely right. Um, One of the uh, blocks of words was saying that, you know, if you think there's a problem with airline pilots on strike, wait till the truckers are on strike. And, you know, you look at the roads these days and you look at, especially in Spain, the amount of trucks that are on the road and, you know, with the amount of trucks, the small number of accidents is actually amazing, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've never been. I've never driven a truck. I did. I did get in one once, and the, just on Clorag like car park, you know, when there were no cars on. Yeah. He said, "Hey, just just try this." I mean, the steering's as light as a feather, but it it feels like it's going. To, it's pulling you back. And you're giving it a little bit more, you know, acceleration. And then when he said try and reverse it, don't even go there. It's a really skilled job. Yeah. You know. I think it is. And I think it's another example of um, the way society has managed to skew how um, people... In fact, I, I was reading another one which was saying about the, you know, the politicians who don't produce anything telling people who do produce everything what they've got to do and what they can't do and all this sort of thing. And exactly. You, you, you see, it's not do as I do, it's do as I say, isn't it, with them, mm-hmm. all of them, no matter which, which, which party you're with. They're all the same. They're all in it for their own personal greed as well. You know, it's, it's, and, and that'll never change unless somebody comes in and really jumps down on them all. You know, all these expenses that they get, which is an absolute joke. That well, they get something like seventy-eight thousand for being an MP, and then they, they claim hundred and twenty thousand pound in expenses. How does that work? Well, again, just developing something else that I saw. I've not been able to verify this, but uh, it did appear that it looked. Um, yes, it appeared as if somebody had checked it, and it was basically you've now got a new person. Liz Truss will be out telling everybody else that they've got to watch the carbon p- footprint and climate change is this, that and the other. And yet she's just hopped aboard, um, you know, a, a, a jet, probably with very, very few people on board with her, um, getting paid expenses to fly here, there and everywhere when really you could do things a lot more quickly. And uh, I mean, really, I, I'm still finding it rather difficult to come to terms with the fact that Parliament closes down and a whole country sort of is run without anybody in charge when when you probably need the most, um, you know, it just seems a crazy system, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Boris has gone early in a private jet, yeah? How he gets back, I don't know. I would imagine it's same jet. Then she flies up to Balmoral in another private jet, and they're bleaching about our carbon footprint. Just hang on a minute. If you remember years ago, Vince, you could book a standby um, seat on a... You, you could be number one one and two as a standby flight on an aeroplane. Yeah. Say EasyJet or Ryanair or, you know, any of them, right? That was for MPs and doctors. No, I've never seen an MP on, a, on an EasyJet flight or a Ryanair flight or anything like that. No, they're all off in these private jets because they can claim it on these stupid, ridiculous amounts of expenses that, that, that they came for. Yes. It's an absolute joke. Plus, they get free electric and gas. They can claim that on their expenses. And we're all in this together, aren't we? Yeah, we're all in it together, yeah. And we'll level it up. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. OK, here comes the next one. Well, I've got to say, it's uh, very unpleasant, really, trawling the papers and trying to look for anything um, that is not violent at the moment. And I saw this particular article about a 19-year-old woman, and she said that she's too afraid to leave the house at night after she was beaten by a mob of youths shouting, Get her phone! The lady's name, Chloe Miller, had been on her way to her local corner shop with a mum and a sister on August the 27th when she was attacked on a street in South Norwood in London, leaving her concussed and with heavy bruising all over her body. 
Video footage posted on social media showed Miss Miller being punched and kicked to the ground by the gang and new footage from earlier in the evening shows thugs shamelessly ransacking a newsagent nearby before the young woman was attacked on the street. Miss Miller said there were already loads of people out there. We'd seen they'd been trashing shops and heard the police sirens. Um, y- you know, th- there is an answer to this. But, of course, the answer won't be liked by the people that want to perpetrate. And that is basically, um, immediately you've got people doing that sort of behaviour. You get them off the streets and stick them in a jail. And we've spoken about building these jails in remote places. But, you know, there's there's no will to cure this problem from the political point of view, is there? No, as as I say, I mean... For them, they should go to Barstool. Remember, we used to have a Barstool school, didn't we? But if you were under a certain age, just get them in there, but make sure that they know that you go back out. Never mind this, oh, he's got 28 days. No, 28 months. Try that one first. And if he, if he goes back out again, then he goes into the big jail and he's there for about five or seven years or whatever. Grand sacking shot. You see, there's no respect for anybody now with these young'uns. They want everything for nothing. They just go rampaging about, and if they fancy a former, we'll go and knock that woman over there. I, I bet they, didn't, they wouldn't challenge a six-foot-five muscle man. You know, ah, with comfort, get your former, going to knock you to the ground, and about six of them will lay on the floor, and all so others will just run off. Once you hit the first one, boom, they all disappear. They make me ill. It's all these walks, you know, and all these do-gooders. You know, that's why a life sentence now could mean something like seven years for killing somebody. Yeah. Well, how, Where's this law going to... When it's going to stop, what are you going to say? Well, if you kill somebody, if you promise not to do it again, we'll let you out. You know, you don't have to go to prison because that's what it's leading down to. Well, it is, and it's the sanctity of life, isn't it? You know, it's it's, yeah. it's almost like... I mean, we were talking last week about somebody, uh, I think he was 87, in a wheelchair who was attacked uh, just because he had been collecting money and they wanted to steal his money. Um, you know, and that, that, that was for a good cause as well. Uh, the thing yeah. is, you see, these people have always been about. It's just that I think there are more of them. I obviously can't validate what I've just said, but I get the feeling from reading in the newspaper that there are far more of them about and they seem to be not caring who they hurt uh, or how they hurt them. And uh, th- for me, part of the reason has got to be the um, the advent of very, very many um, vicious programmes on TV. Um, y- y- you know, th- th- it's almost like there's, there's nothing is out of bounds now. And that's before you even uh, allow people to access this deep internet, which apparently is absolutely horrible as well. It's just, um, th- they're not the same people that we grew up with, are they? No, no. It, you see, it starts at home as well. If, people, if the parents let them get away with anything at home, then they'll think they can do it outside to anybody else and this, that, you know. And they've no respect for teachers, police, anybody in authority. They just want to go rampaging and think they're really tough guys. But, you know, all of a sudden a tough guy comes along and gives them a smack, then parents at first ones, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, all this malarkey. It's a nonsense. I've always said I I thought it'd be a great idea if they had units on the street uh, of maybe four uh, what would appear to be little old ladies walking round. And, of course, they're not little old ladies, but they are, you know, fully trained guys who can turn round and sort out these these, these there was one on Facebook, if you remember, uh, uh, last year, a year before, where this old lady with a shopping bag and this, that and the other, and these, these three youths come that snatch her handbag and it were a, a decoy and splattered them all over the floor. Now, that's what you want. You want them. I mean, can you imagine these kids if somebody did it to their mother? Yeah. How they'd feel. Well, I think some of them wouldn't have any respect for their own mother, you see. I... I, I <laughs> I, I, you know, I do see uh, aspects of this, um, certainly uh, when you see items on the news and then certainly when you look at what these filmmakers are coming up with. I mean, they're just coming up with more and more violence, in un- unnecessary violence, unnecessary sexual violence, unnecessary everything, really. It's almost like people don't know how to put uh, a really nice play together anymore. Exactly. I'm with you all the way on that one. 
Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's play a jingle and then we'll move on. Uh, don't forget, we're looking at items in the news, in the UK news, uh, which give you an indication of how society has been allowed to develop. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Okay, now the next one is the father of a 13-year-old girl forced to wait almost three years for her case to be heard has castigated the Justice Secretary, Dominic Raab, and after he received a mealy-mouthed letter following immediate interest in his daughter's case. The family of the girl sent a letter to Mr Raab in June and followed up with calls begging for help with the case, but they did not receive any response until last week when the scandal, which will see the 13-year-old wait three years for her accuser to go on trial. Uh, This has been highlighted by BBC Radio 4. A letter written on behalf of Dominic Robb, who is backing the Tory leadership candidate uh, Rishi Sunak, was sent to the family last week apologising for the court delay, but the father has blasted the move. Um, You know, this is the problem, isn't it? Uh, I always remember, by the way, it's not been quite as long, but it always was the delay in between the time that somebody commits an offence and the time it actually goes to court, which gives them time to spruce up all these little thugs so that by the time they get in the courtroom, they look like choir boys, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've seen loads of them. I mean, you see, so if she's accused this, this one and, and you've got your, the bruises and the falters and God knows what and this, that, the other, if it's going to take Mark nine months, you know, I mean, he's it, it, a bit draconian, uh, but uh, put a, put hold, hold them. You know, hold them there until they can find a date. You know, they should have special calls for these for these offences. You know, but you, then you get your solicitors env- involved, and it takes donkey's years. And what's the point in that? Everybody's forgot about it then. You know, it should be on the news. There, the, this is it. This is where we're going. And now you've got all these barristers saying uh, they're not paying. We're not paying them enough legal aid money. And going on, on and going on strike for it. <laughs> I've never seen one of them catching a buzz yet, have you? I've never seen... Or or coppering up to get some food or a drink or something like that. They make me laugh. I think that's another part... uh, You you know, when you're looking for problems in a system, it's got to be another big part of the problem. First of all, uh, you've got to get these uh, lawyers and barristers and all the other people that work the system, um, you know... Some of the money that they get paid is ridiculous. So what they should be doing is sorting out between the high paid and what they consider themselves to be the low paid and um, sorting out how that money becomes divided a bit better. So that's one thing. And then, of course, the other thing is by the time it gets in front of the judge, how many times do we talk about a judge who obviously does not live in the same world that the perpetrators of the problem uh, live in? Exactly, exactly. They're there behind the big marble stone walls and big houses and this, that and the other. They, they never come into the real world. You know, yeah. they, they, you never see, you never see them having a pint down road in the pub with his mates or this, that and the other. Oh, no, darling, we're in private clubs and, you know, we drink at home. Marvellous that you pay for, you know, that I pay I for. I suppose there's there's a little bit of a reason for that. I mean... You know, if you've got the members of the judiciary and, um, you know, people that are going to be working in the courts available to those people that want to abuse the system. I'm not talking about the likes of you and I and our friends down at the pub just happen to see somebody that works in uh, the justice system and maybe talking about things 
maybe sometimes which they shouldn't talk about. I mean, it's almost like these days uh, people seem to think anything goes. They don't know about a professional um, sort of line between what you can say and what you can't say, what you can do and what you can't do. It's almost like there's the, 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 the professionalism seems to have gone in many of the, the jobs that de- they, they do need professionalism, don't they? It's, uh, yeah, it, it makes me ill that, you know, they're all on all these big, big wages and this, that and the other. And and now they, they all want to go on strike and, you know, yeah. Them barristers, you see, they'll drag it out as long as they can. These barristers and QCs and all this lot, because they're getting paid more and more and more as the time wears on with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll leave that one there and uh, move to the next one then. Break there while I get a technical thing sorted out. A young woman drowned in the sea next after being swept away by waves as she and her boyfriend took photos of a famous lighthouse near Beachy Head. That's down in Eastbourne. And obviously this is now at an inquest. The pharmacist, Dora Mango, 26, was found floating face down in the sea off the beach in East Sussex. Ms Mango and her boyfriend, Jerry, had travelled down to the coast on a sightseeing trip from their home in Redhill, Surrey, but she was swept off a rock. And despite Jerry's efforts to dive in and save her, the 26-year-old drowned. She was born in Hungary, had walked along the bottom of the cliff at Beachy Head to take photographs of the nearby Beltou lighthouse, and after walking for a while, the couple had noticed the tide rapidly coming in and soon realised they were trapped. The couple were soon stranded on a small portion of the beach and knew at this point they had to call for help but couldn't get any signal. In a statement, Jerry revealed that Ms Mango clambered onto a rock while he urgently swam to get help, but it would be the last time his girlfriend was seen. That's a very, very sad story, that, um, you know, because obviously um, the, there are places everywhere around the coast in the UK uh, and and any coastal place. But, I mean, in particular, I can relate very quickly uh, to where I used to live in Cornwall, plus um, aspects of where I used to live on Wirral, which, of course, uh, is opposite Liverpool. And uh, we had areas there which were equally um, tidal so that, you know, you'd walk out and you'd think that everywhere was just very safe because there was sand all around you. And then within a couple of uh, minutes, you could be absolutely, um, you, you know, up to your waist in water. So with the tide racing in, very, very sad, Neil, isn't it? Very sad. Yeah, a young girl loses her life, just wants to take pictures and go down to Beachy Head and this, that and the other. Yeah, we had the same, it's the same in Morecambe, isn't it? You know, that side comes in that quick. It comes in within minutes. And the most, one of the most powerful things in the world is, is sea, is water. Yeah. When it, when it comes rushing in, I mean, you know, when people get flooded, you've seen the power of that. So when you sat on a rock, which, you know, which is bad enough, when that hits them rocks, you, you could end up anywhere, you know, because it just drags you straight back out, you know. It, it's, it's seriously sad, yeah. Have but, you... Uh, you know, have, young girl just gets swept off and just wanted to take some pictures of beach here. Well, it, it's like the, the power of the sea is often understated and under misunderstood. I mean, I remember when I first went to live in Cornwall and um, the way that the water comes onto the beach... Uh, down in Cornwall is so different 
to most places that you'll meet uh, around most parts of the country. I mean, yeah. y- you know, that they uh, have days when the, the waves can come in anywhere between six feet and ten feet, um, but they can sweep you off your feet when you're only in about maybe a foot and a half of water. And people don't realise that, do they? Exactly. You can be on the prom at Blackpool watching the tide come in. The minute it comes in, as you say, with the 10-foot waves, it hits the wall, it comes over the wall, and the power of it, taking you back, even though it's it's a lot lesser power than what it's hit the rocks, it just sweeps you underneath, and you could be going underneath the barrier and straight back in sea. Yeah. And you've no chance then. And, I mean, that I've said it for, for years and years, that anywhere that's tidal, you can get free electricity off it. You just put a turbine under the water and it'll come in. And the, the faster it comes in and goes out, probably twice a day in and twice a day out, you, you've got enough power there to do whatever you want. But we still keep messing about with these hurdy-gurdy things that blighting everybody's views all over the country. Well, I think... You know, I but think... it's so powerful, that water. It's, it's horrendous. Um, and another, I mean, having been caught in a, a rip current in the south of France and knowing now that had I not had a surfer fairly close to me that I could shout to come and help me, um, you know, I wouldn't be making my, my podcast this morning. So, you know, it's easy for anybody to, to get caught, even when they do quite understand a lot of what goes on in the sea. But yeah. the one thing that um, I know this is uh, going away from the subject matter that we started with, but I still find it very, very, very frustrating that we've got 70% of this planet is water and we still have so many people dying of thirst. Um, we have obviously f- floodwaters in Pakistan right at this very moment, uh, killing over a thousand people. Um, we don't really know how to manage water. Sure, we can never be totally uh, correct in where the, f- the water will fall, but I think in most of the places where we've got these barrancos here in Spain, you know, when the really heavy rain comes into the wrong situation and you get the the waters gulfing and gushing down from the mountains, coming right down to the coast. Um, I mean, obviously, water has, the, you have the chance to manage it. But uh, rather than do that, we spend on technology taking us up to the moon. And for what? Um, I mean, for me, to go on uh, spending money as we're doing to go to the moon, it just reeks to me of a a sneaky way of testing a rocket to see how far you can get it to go laterally. Um, You know, instead of actually uh, people knowing that maybe the same force is going to be used on on a rocket coming from, say, Russia to America, um, as from America up to the moon. You know, I mean, it's it's just that we don't we don't have any idea of the priorities that we need, really, do we? Exactly. What we've been saying for for years, you know, that they're spending billions and billions. They whip that rocket up and to to moon. It's costing billions of pounds. The fuel they use is absolutely phenomenal. And then they're worrying about, look, uh, your carbon footprint. Well, just hang on a minute. You want us us to ride bikes and God knows what and, you know, uh, get electric cars and this, that and the other, and yet you're wasting money sending people to the moon that we've already done 50 years ago and they were out there then, and I don't think there'll be anything there now. and they're saying, well, it might be that we might get future life on there. Well, who's going to keep sending up these JCB diggers and uh, bricklayers and joiners and all that that build houses on there? It's an absolute nonsense. It's an absolute disgrace and a waste of people's money. It could be spent on finding a cure for all the diseases or anything like that. Just one one go. You know, the, the, the amount it takes for one go to mess about on the moon, that money could be spent far better like in what what they're facing now in uk with this poverty thing it make me Ill. well the whole thing is just it's completely and utterly always trying it's to elitism isn't it it's elitism oh because we can yeah but not with my money you can't i didn't give you any you know to say right 
you can have my money if I send somebody up to the moon, I'll send a rocket up to the moon. No, I, no none, neither did any other taxpayer, neither. Well, you, you know the this business about the uh, nil uh, carbon footprint and the emissions and this, that and the other. You know, we, we hear this mantra all the time. Uh, I saw a very revealing video which shows you that all the money that's supposed to going that's supposed to go into researching, um, you know, how we improve our situation, if you like, uh, all of it, um, it finds its way back to the oil companies one way or another. And the more that we were talking with uh, Terry uh, Whitehead on last week's podcast regarding what this nonsensical World Cup in Qatar is really about, um, you can see that it's the last vestiges of um, making sure that the Arab world still keeps control of the oil. Um, You know, and whilst that's still about, we know for sure that there's lots of oil up in the north of Canada and, and still around America, but they're not using it. I mean, the whole thing is so political, and yet, you know, they present it as this wonderful uh, mission that they're all on to save the planet. You know, you only have to look down from a plane to see the size of Britain and realise that it doesn't matter what Britain does. The amount of emissions that will be saved from Britain or s- sent out from Britain, if you want to put it the other way, um, will be minimal compared with what goes around the planet. Uh, exactly. and, and yet the exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. That yeah, Britain's like like a pinprick. All these big firms, India and China and, and Russia and all them lot, they'll not be bothered because they'll keep digging wherever they want. We've still got oil in North Sea, anywhere else, and we sold it off. So you know, don't be coming. You, you're coming bleating when you've sold some off that you you know that you know you're going to need. And this, we're all going electric cars. Well, electric cars, where are you going to get the electric from? You can only store electricity. You, you can't just keep producing it and, and, and that. You know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I think that the... They're going to be needing coal mines again, trust <laughs> me, yeah. if they want all this power and, and nuclear power stations. They're going to need them I think... to help them out because, you know, everybody thinks, oh, electric car's green. No, it's, <laughs> you still produ- you've got to still produce the electricity. And, and as you've said, um, because you've worked in batteries, you know, once a battery is finished, it, it's not biodegradable. So you're not just going to get rid of it. It's going to be a problem for everybody to solve um, well into the future, isn't it? Exactly. Because, and it's lithium. It's seriously poisonous. And, and nobody will take them on, you know, when, when these millions and millions of batteries are coming because you, can't, you can break it down. But you can't use it for anything else because it's it's absolutely thingy. And where are you going to store it? They say, they say about when we have them nuclear cells that are dead and they bury them in concrete hundreds of hundreds of feet down in in earth. That's what they're going to have to do with them. But with lithium, if if water seeps in, that's why you can't use a lithium. And I'm I'm, I'm near certain this is what I read. That you know when they go up to up these mountains, you know, yeah. Kilimanjaro and all this and that, right? They used to have a lithium battery on the on the red, you know, on the caps, so they could see where they were going. And when they'd finished with it, you know, like we use with tr- triple A's, and you just throw them away, throw them in bin. Yeah. Well, with them, what we were doing, they were just throwing them into into snow. When the, when it all drained down, they were poisoning the people down below. And I'm sure now you cannot climb any of them mountains with lithium batteries. Right. Right, I think actually that does re- resonate somewhere with something I've read as well. So uh, it's just this horrible business, isn't it? That, um, y- you know, th- th- they are kidding people with this carbon footprint and they're yeah. just trying to create a different market. But the underlying theme really is that they're trying to make sure that uh, once the petrol's gone and uh, the diesel is gone, then. It's just going to be the electricity, and then they can flick a switch and say, "Sorry, we've got no electricity this week, so you've all got to stay at home." So hydrogen. What about hydrogen? That's that that does, that just pushes water out of your exhaust. You know, they're coming up with all these, you know, ideas of, "Oh, we've got to do this." No, you're all going to make a fortune again, and it's us that are going to pay. And they're saying, "Well, it's a carbon footprint; it's for everybody's health." Well, a lithium battery isn't going to help anybody's health. 
but when mm. it breaks down. I think that the article you might have read, Vince, was about Paris when they give all the, um, not like councillors, they give them all, you know, a car to go and yes. do this, that and the other. There's, there's 192 of them now in a field somewhere in Paris that are breaking down mm. and it'll seep into the water system. I, I don't... Well, I think, by all means, it has been thought through, but I think what, they, what they're doing now is, because you've got the, you know, the World Economic Forum and all these other people who are uh, trying the best to get the control of the planet now, I think what, they've, uh, what they're doing is they are thinking the obvious and thinking that uh, that's it. But, but it's not, because... Other people um, on the planet will be thinking of of the snags. Show us the snags. And, I mean, certainly with the electric cars, you, you can see far more snags that, than you can benefits. In fact, it's very hard to see benefits at the moment. Um, by all means, it's nice to have a quiet car, but, you know, it's not a bad thing to have a, a sound so that you know there's a car coming up on you and, you can you, you know, you can safely get out of the way. That's one thing yeah. that immediately strings exactly. to, to mind. You know, they, they just make, they make me laugh. They're telling us how good they are. None of them are telling us what happens when that battery conks out because the battery is more than the car. You can't just go and buy a new battery and put it in, you know, like you, you can if your battery... Your lead acid one in cars, you go and buy another one. Yeah, you can't do that because that's the most expensive part of it. Yeah, I, you've got to buy a new car. Well, I mean, the whole thing, from again reading from various sources, it's this little phrase: "You will own nothing, um, uh, and you will be, and you will be happy." Um, I don't think that's true. I think that that's communism. But you don't really say those two words and those phrases in the same sentence because basically exactly. I think that yeah. the thing is even the politicians, I think, themselves are getting confused between what really is not being called communism but what is communism. I think, you know, a lot of them have never studied what, what these philosophies are like and, I mean, you know, whilst everybody else is making silly mistakes, the Chinese are just getting on with uh, world domination, which I don't think will be hugely massive numbers of years into the future. No, I'm with you on that one. I bet it's, all it is, really, is a dictatorship. Whatever country you're in, and they make the rules, then you've got to abide by them. Well, yep. You know, like, like they do in China. You can't have more than one child and this, that and the other. And you've got to abide by it. Otherwise, there's repercussions on it. The same with um, lockdown. You know, all that lot. That, well, it's, that's, it's a form of controlling us. That's, a that's what we're all after. Controlling. We'll do all the work. You have all the money. And, and you do as you're told. You're absolutely right. And the trouble <laughs> is... The trouble is that a lot of people that have even studied these different types of uh, ruling bodies, if you like, uh, don't realise that we were presented with a line. At one end, you had the communists, and at the other end, you had the fascists. But what they didn't show you is that round the back, if you put them in, put them into a circle, they all join up and do the same thing. So, yeah. um, OK, let me find you another one. Here we go. Uh, let's see what we've got for you, this one. Here we go. Okay, now I know you like your luxury cars, so this is a luxury Bentley, gorgeous cars. I, I've got a friend that do uh, that has one of these actually. They're very, very nice. Two hundred thousand pounds worth. Goodness gracious me, I don't know where you get the money, but there we are. Uh, this was allegedly stolen in London and has been found 5,000 miles away in Pakistan. Uh, this, according to the Pakistani police, um, the Bentley uh, Mulsan V8 automatic was recovered by the customs enforcement agents following a tip-off which comes from a friendly nation, the agency said. Uh, with local media suggesting it was British intelligence who helped, customs agents requisitioned the car from outside a house in Defence Housing Authority, an affluent neighbourhood in Karachi. This is Pakistan's largest city. A video shows the agents having to push the car onto a recovery vehicle as they were reportedly unable to find its keys. 
I think what this article shows you is that um, it doesn't really matter where you are in the world. Uh, you're being watched. And if you have a really nice car and it gets pinched, um, then somebody can find it from the other side of the world. Uh, it's quite amazing what technology is doing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, no, it's like your sat-nav, isn't it? It can go anywhere in the world. You press it on and it, it shows you where you can go and this, that and the other and all that. £200,000 car, buy it brand new. As soon as you fetch it out, it's worth about 100000 That's yeah. before you even drive down the road. Yeah. You know, I did have a Rolls Royce once, by the way. Trust me. Did you really? Um, yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> I'm, don't get me wrong. Luxury, it, it, it were brilliant. But <laughs> I didn't realise it only did six and a half miles to a gallon. <laughs> right? And I drove around. To, the first day I got it, right, it was second hand, obviously. And the first day I got it, I went all the way around Swinton, because I know all pubs in Swinton and Pendlebury, where I live. I went around four times. I was gutted. I didn't see one person I knew in it. <laughs> I was absolutely <laughs> gutted. Anyway, I only had it for about three months. Every time you went anywhere, you could see petrol gauge going down and down and down. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to get rid of this. But it was well worth just, just for the, you know, for the knowledge that I won't be getting another one. Well, I know oh. um, when Tony Hilly used to come over, this is the guy that wrote for the Brotherhood of Man and That's Save Your right, Kisses yeah. for Me and all that. Yeah, Tony Hilly, yeah. Yeah, he had two uh, Rolls Royces. And, you know, and the thing was, he was such a nice man. He never, ever tried to sort of brag about his wealth. Uh, it was other people that actually told me that uh, he had to. But he used to come over to uh, stay on Ponianti Beach in um, the uh, Benidorm area. And he stayed in the same hotel where he wrote it. I think it was Figaro that he wrote. But it was one of the one of the songs that he had uh, a, a monster hit with. Um, but he wrote sitting and watching the Mediterranean from that particular hotel. You know, so it's, it's lovely when you think that um, people have had success. And um, it's, it, I mean, it's like uh, Emil Ford used to come to the house down in Cornwall. Used to have yeah. this old banger. I mean, it used to turn up outside the the, the house. Uh, you'd hear it backfire, and then clouds of smoke would come out. And um, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, that was like all our cars, wasn't it? Our first cars. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, he was he'd had, he'd had a couple of hits both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah. So, uh, what do you want to make those eyes at me for? And slow boats of China. Absolutely. I met him and had a drink with him in Manchester. Nice guy, wasn't he? Belting guy. Belting. He, he often, well, where I did meet him uh, for sort of a friendship, really, was um, he was down at Hendra Park in Cornwall. And I'd gone up to um, interview him for Radio Cornwall. And there was a guy who was like the head barman. And it was his job to pay a meal at the end of the night. And he was a little tiny fella with a big, the, the bunch of keys was nearly as big as him. But what he used to really enjoy doing was keeping Emil waiting for his money. And Emil had to go back up to Southport. So you can imagine it was very frustrating for him, you know, uh, to yeah. finish his night. So we got talking one uh, particular time and um, he was staying. Uh, he decided to stay down in a guest house, which again shows you, as you will know as well with Dustin, you know, just how yeah. lonely it can be on the road. Um, yeah. And at that time, I said to him, well, you know, come over to the house. And you know, he used to come over on a weekly basis. And, you know, I had him um, at the college coming in to give a lecture to the kids about uh, he was a sound scientist. So he wanted to talk about his speakers and, you know, the, the technical yeah. side. Um, yeah. But he brought his speakers in and actually sang for the students and a couple of members of staff. And I think that uh, told you a lot about the guy for me, you know. Yeah, well, well, you see, we're all born the same. You know, when we come into this, into this world, we're all the same. Some people will earn more money than me, and I'll probably earn more than somebody else. Me. But it's things elitists that try and push everything their way rather than the normal man. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. absolutely, you know, ridiculous. It's it's just gone into pure greed of everybody. You know, I'm just a lad from a two up, two down. You're the same. Yeah. You know, and we all have to go and work. And if you work and you and you get, you can, you know, afford to have nice holidays or this, that and the other, 
no problem. As you say, he had two massive hits. He could have thought staying in big hotels. No, he wants to be with normal people. Yes. And that's what we all want. Not these that think they're, you know, they're higher than Dow, you know, and all this lot. It's well, an absolute disgrace when people lose their identity for the sake of money. Yeah, uh, well, it's like uh, we were talking about this Bentley that's been stolen and uh, the ways that uh, it can be traced with technology now. But it's also, is it must be about people and the way they are with other people's property. For example, if you go down to Denia, you see the most amazing sports cars that you never used to see around Benidorm. I mean, seriously, heavy money. And last uh, last week it was, uh, there was this car coming up the road. It was, oh, I tell you, you'd die for it. It was a wonderful-looking car. But I like to admire it. I don't want to steal it. And I don't really understand people that want to steal other people's stuff. I, I'll never understand that. I don't understand people that want to injure people. I don't understand yeah. people who want to just rob uh, in any way, shape or form somebody else. I don't understand that mentality. Uh, I can't relate to it. So that's my problem. I can't neither. The, the two things I hate most in life are thieves and liars. Yeah. You can't trust, you can't trust any of them. You know, well, thieves I think, and liars, I hate them. I, and anybody who wants to go and pinch off somebody without going working for it, well, you need to get a job, save your money, like everybody else has had to do, and buy your house and buy a, a car, a car that you can afford and this, that and the other. They, 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 they really, that's, that's why they don't get punished enough. Well, for me... Because the heartache they cause to people when they just break into old people's houses. Do you know I, what I mean? It's an absolute disgrace, that. I, absolutely right. More than anything. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you. I mean, whether or not you're a Christian or whatever it is, if you do actually look at the Ten Commandments, they make sense. They're, they are actually a good set of rules for anybody and any religion. It doesn't really matter uh, if you took a religion for, away from it and just put those rules in place. Um, it, it's quite simple, really. It's, of course, down to the interpretation. And you can see all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle leaping out at you, like we've been talking about the barristers, the stolen car, uh, the woman that was robbed for the phone. It's all part of the same jigsaw puzzle, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we're never going to finish this jigsaw because n nobody ever comes together you know, to, to do anything about it. They, they just keep hoping it'll, it'll go, go quiet very, you know, it'll go quiet in a week or two, like they used to say, oh, it'll be tomorrow's uh, chip wrappings, you know, what they put in papers. Yeah. It'll be tomorrow's chip wrappings up. Okay. No, no, it, it really needs somebody to come in and say, no, these are the rules, these are the, these are the punishments, and they know then, before they go out stealing, that no ifs, no buts, no excuses, no nothing, you're going to get this punishment. Oh. And it's got to be a big punishment. OK, here comes the next one. Right. Yeah. OK, on the day that I read this particular article, it was a man who was spotted scaling the Shard. This is one of the well-known buildings in London on the skyline. You will know it. Um, it's a, a guy who's a notorious free climber. And he ascended, uh, and he has ascended, some of the world's tallest buildings. His name, I will give you, Adam Lockwood, he's a 21-year-old, is believed to have successfully scaled the UK's tallest building around 5 o'clock before taking a selfie at the Skyscraper's Summit. Emergency services were called to the scene at 5.48, following reports of a climber on the Shard. Police have said three arrests have been made. This includes the arrest of this guy on suspicion of trespass. Two other men were both arrested on suspicion of causing a public nuisance. And, um, you know, they're all in custody. Now, um, by all means, it's a great challenge. So, um, if they know people are likely to do this, why don't they come up with a small number of licences that people can then buy, give that money to charity for making that happen? Let the police be involved, let the emergency services be involved, because they've got to practice it all the time, um, and make something of it, rather than let these people irresponsibly put their, their own lives and the lives of all the people that have to rescue them at risk. What do you think about that, that idea? Well, yeah, you see, 
I, I'm with you with these. It's like you know, we have we have deaf people climbing mountain behind my house. You know, the Leon Domino, the Sleeping Lion. Yeah. You see them in middle at night with lights halfway up the hill and uh, halfway up the mountain. This that, and the other. But then the following morning, helicopters got to come. Right. Well, yeah. But hang on. If we come to rescue you, you pay for that helicopter. You know, because other than that, everybody's paying for keep this helicopter, or some of them, they're not even government back. You know, like in, in, in UK, you know, lifeboats and this, that and the other. You get in trouble through your own stupidity, then you should be paying for that. You know, and that's the same. But this trespass up, up the shard... Trespass, I think the maximum fine is about £100. That's it, or something like it's that. Ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. like it's like I was reading in, in the paper, there's a school teacher has gone to jail, been jailed in Ireland, because he uses, because he refuses to use gender-neutral pronoun. And I'm with him totally. You know, boy or a girl... Okay, we know where we stand. That covers 99% of the population, and yet uh, they send him, apparently they've sent him to jail because he refuses to use a gender-neutral pronoun. I'm sorry, the world has absolutely gone bonkers. Matt. Yeah. Matt. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know what a, a, uh, a, a gender-neutral, fluid... There's a million names for them all now. no. If you're a boy, you're a boy. If you're a girl, you're a girl. That's it. Or a man, you're a man. You're a, and a woman, you're a woman. What's all this about? Well, why I'll tell you. All this publicity and why does everybody keep throwing everything at it? I'll tell you what if it's you about. Dress up as a woman, even though you're a man. Get on with it. It don't. It don't affect me. But don't keep shoving it down my throat on television and putting people in prison because they don't know what a gender fluid or a gender whatever it is. All that other, all the other lot. Does it? Well, the, to me, they're either. They're either cross-dressers or they're not. As simple as that. There's all different parts to this jigsaw that all leads back to the same thing. Look at the Communist Party manifesto and look at other things that are now written and you'll find that they've said that they want to destroy capitalism. And how do you do it? You destroy the family. That's what's going on. I've got one last one for you, Neil. Are you ready? Mm. I think this might be a little lighter. Okay, so four long-standing Radio 2 stars are set to be replaced by presenters who are now, on average, 25 years younger. The BBC has been accused of rank ageism after Vanessa Feltz, Paul O'Grady, Craig Charles and Steve Wright, whose ages range from 58 to 68, announced their departures. Now Chiefs are looking to make Richie Anderson 34, who reads the travel news on Radio 2, one of their next big names after testing him with holiday cover slots. Um, he will uh, also appear on Strictly Come Dancing as part of a wider BBC bid to make him a household name, using Strictly to raise the profile of the fledgling stars is a tactic, of course, that they've used before. Now, one of the comments I picked up from this article underneath, member of the public, Don Lee, 59-year-old, says, the BBC no longer represents the British people it broadcasts. Its own woke left-wing views and is totally blind to the truth. So in the interest of the British people, let's do two things we can all agree on. Strip the BBC of its funding and strip the winner of this year's most toxic couple of their titles. The one and only Harry and Meghan. This would be a massive win double for Britain. Right, let's stick with the BBC. Uh, Harry and Meghan, that's another topic to, totally. Um, I'm not going to go there because basically I, I, I think most people have already got their own views on that. But with the BBC and getting rid of the older stars, that is a little bit more uh, current uh, and probably less seen. So what do you think of what's going on? Right. The older stars, they play the older music for the 50-plus or whatever, like we used to do in Benidorm. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And we, how come they get more listeners than these that are playing the, the noughties, the, the whatever they call them now, and the 20, 20 
whatever they are, right? How come the, the older viewers, uh, listeners, th there's more of them than there is any of the others? They're always chopping the, the things on on the. Um, you know, I don't even know the the count. The, the thing is, it by bandwidth or something. You know about that anyway. I'm a technical. Okay. But there's more listeners listening to the older music than they're listening to this music that's coming out today. So they should be on more shows. Yeah. I mean, Steve Ryan in the afternoon, and, uh, you know, you get that in the morning. Uh, 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 Kent, whatever uh, he's called. Ken Bruce, yeah. Yeah. And he's funny. And he's funny, and he plays the, the, the music for, for where he's from, and, and he can talk about how they got there and what they did here and this, that, and the other. And that's what people want to know. But these youngers, they just keep sticking this stuff on the, you know, it's, it's just boom, 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 bang, 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 and all that. You can hear some of that music as cars are driving past you. you let, me, let me tell you what I think it's about. Because, uh, you know, this is an area which I have studied quite a bit and obviously been involved with. Now, part of the job is what you say and part of the job is the music. So, uh, you know, once you've said something, if you've said something a little bit controversial, you see, you can play a very popular record and people will probably less hassle on what you've said, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, if you've got um, responsible DJs who basically are trying to think, because they're a bit older, trying to think of things that are funny, yet a little bit more serious at the same time, then uh, what do you do? Well, really, if you're trying to change the planet, you try to not allow people serious thought. So this is where your young, um, shall we say, airhead comes in and starts playing music that doesn't really have any semblance of meaning to the people that are the audience. And I think that's really what it's all about. I think that, yeah. um, you know, there's higher mandates from up above and they're being told what they've got to do because only um, an idiot would ruin a business that they don't need to ruin. And the BBC are doing it left, right and centre. Exactly. It's like it, it's like if, if you get a group, yeah, say Freddie Mercury, right, he, he fills, you know, uh, Wembley Stadium and this, that and the other, yeah? Yeah. Right? That all them people go there, 200,000, whatever it is. Then you put somebody else on that, that's, you know, more up to date or whatever, or a, a rap band or whatever, and they only get 50,000. Well, hang on, have a look at, you know, have a look at your listeners. You must still keep that music from 50s right up to today. If, if these youngins want to listen at, you know, 7 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock or midnight or in the morning or whatever, yeah, you've still got to cater for them. But your, your biggest ones, your biggest followers are the people, you know, and I agree with the, the licence fee and, and, and the funding, public funding, I agree. That should have been done yonks ago. If they can't lift off adverts or whatever... Then you shouldn't be on. You know, you shouldn't be running a radio station. Well, the other thing that is a big part of this is that you've got nothing but violence in London at the moment. I mean, you, you've had something like fifty murders this year, so it's not far off that figure. If it isn't fifty, yeah. and if you listen to rap music and a lot of the violence that goes with rap music. I think when you've got music inciting that sort of violence, allowedly allowed to be played in the clubs and the venues and some even on the radio, you're going to have a problem because it's going in. It's a subliminal message. And so, therefore, yeah. it's the same as if you watch a, a violent video, a violent uh, programme. Uh, you, you, there's too much violence available to young minds who they make they might look bigger they might look as if they're all sort of reasonably intelligent but anybody who can walk walk around um and be sold brand new clothes which has got rips in it i'm talking about ripped jeans i don't think yeah. really you've got the brightest bunch uh, buying those personally but there we are neil exactly. that's another yeah. another week out of the way yeah, well, when we had ripped jeans, your mother took the back pocket off when we scuffed our knees and they ripped the jeans. She took the back pocket off and sewed it back on, on, on your knee. Absolutely. <laughs> would, you, would you buy a pair of ripped jeans? No. No, thank you. 
Why, why, why do I want to buy a, a pair of ripped jeans when I've, I've thrown hundreds of pairs away? Absolutely. Doesn't make any sense to me. But I think no. somebody sat down and said, well, if we can do that, we can do anything. That's food exactly. for thought, isn't it? Neil, have a great yeah. week and thanks very much indeed for your company. No problem. I'll speak to you soon, Vince. Thank you, Bye. Neil. Bye. Bye-bye. See you later.